I want to begin by reading a psalm that David penned when he was in a worship service similar to what we are in here today. And in this worship service in Psalm chapter 92, thank you, Tanya, in Psalm chapter 92, the psalmist said, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. How many of you know it's good to give thanks to the Lord? And how many of you know it's a good thing to sing praises to him? Amen. And then he said in verse 2, to declare your loving kindness in the morning, your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad. Is there anybody here this morning who has been made glad by the Lord? <laughs> he said, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. Has God done anything for you that's caused you to be glad? Well, somebody notify your face. Put on your joy face and give God a praise this morning for it. He said, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish. And doesn't it sometimes seem like that those who are evil and wicked flourish more than the righteous. But notice what David says, it's only temporary for the wicked. It is that they may be destroyed forever. But then in verse 8, here's what David said. He said, but you, Lord, you're high forevermore. It's not a temporary, it's an eternal thing, God, that you are high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But then there's a shift in this psalm. And in verse 10, notice what David said. He said, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I'll talk to you about what that means in just a moment. And then he makes this statement. I have been anointed with fresh oil. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And then in verse 11, he said, My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. In other words, David is saying, what I desired to see happen to my enemies, God has allowed me to see it with my very own eyes. And then he said, what I desired to see come upon my enemies that I did not see, God said, he allowed me to hear it. He brought me messengers telling me about how he has dealt with my enemies. And then in verse 12, he said, the righteous, mm, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. 
Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, I want my seniors in the room today to give me a big amen right here because David said, they shall still bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody say amen to that. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the righteousness of God, to declare the righteousness of God, that he is my rock and that there is no unrighteousness in him. He said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Now, something that I noticed when the Lord took me to this psalm for today, something that I noticed is that this psalm does not start with verse 1. This psalm starts with a phrase just under the caption that says the 92nd Psalm. I want you to look at your Bible if you have your Bible open. There is a little phrase under the caption 92nd Psalm in most Bibles, and here's what it says. It says that Psalm 92 is a psalm to be sung on the Sabbath. It is a psalm to be sung on the Sabbath. A psalm is a song. So he said when we come into the place of worship, he said this is a psalm that is to be sung on the Sabbath. We know that the Sabbath was the holy day and is the holy day. God commanded the children of Israel, said to them, you shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now listen, Jamie just mentioned this and this is why I felt that the Holy Spirit had your hearts prepared to receive the word right now. But the Sabbath day is the seventh day. The Sabbath day is the last day of the week. And on the seventh day, the last day of the week, the psalmist David in verse 10 says that I have been anointed with fresh oil. In other words, he is standing in a place of transition. He's looking back over a week that God has just brought him through. How that God has brought him through this past week successfully. But now he's not just on the last day of the week looking back. He also knows that tomorrow is a new day. That tomorrow is a new beginning. And he said, so on this seventh day, at the end, uh, that, that, that marks the end of one season of my life, and as I get ready to go into another season of my life, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Somebody needs to know. And I declared this over you last week that you're about to enter into a new season. It's not by coincidence, I don't think, that God gave me this message and that, that we are standing here today on January the 7th and we are in a time of transition where we are, we are, we are looking back on a, on, on a year that we've just come through that God has brought us through successfully but, but we're marking the end of one season. Oh, but it also marks the beginning of a new season. Look at somebody and tell them it's a new season. And God has a fresh anointing for a new season. 
of your life. I believe that, amen, that it marks the end of one season and the beginning of another season. But notice what he said. I want you to look at this a little bit closer. He said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Everybody say fresh. Fresh oil. Well, what is fresh oil? Well, the oil is olive oil. So fresh oil is oil that comes from freshly harvested olives. In other words, somebody needs to hear me because 2017 maybe was a year for you where you did a lot of planting, a year for you where you did a lot of watering, a year for you where you did a lot of weeding, a year for you where you did a lot of watering, a year for you where you did a lot of waiting. But I'm telling you, it's the end of that season and that God is about to bring you into a season of harvest. Amen. Those freshly harvested olives, somebody had to plow the ground. Somebody had to fertilize. Somebody had to plant the seed. Somebody had to water. Somebody had to wait. But then the harvest came in. And David said, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Somebody needs to hear me right now that you are in a season of transition. And this is something that God has orchestrated in your life. And he wants you to know that the old anointing was not a bad anointing. The old anointing is exactly what you needed for your old season. But God says, I'm transitioning you. I've got a new assignment for you. I've got a new appointment. And with that new appointment comes a new anointment for your life. Are you ready today to enter into a new season with a fresh anointing? Amen. If you will not grow weary in doing good, you shall reap a harvest if you faint not in due season. Look at somebody and say, it's my season. Come on, receive this for yourself today. He said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Now we know in order to get oil out of an olive, you have to crush that olive. And I mean, it has to be crushed to the extent that it's never been crushed before. And for some of you, you've just come through a season. You thought it was the enemy, but it was God working in your life. God bringing about, God allowing the crushing that's been going on, the breaking that's been going on in your life because with that crushing comes a flow of oil. With that crushing comes an anointing. And God wants you to know that there was a purpose. There was a purpose for that crushing. There was, there was a purpose for allowing that brokenness in your life. And, and that it was a price for you to pay so that you could be anointed like you've never been anointed before. Amen. So somebody here today needs to know that your season of, of crushing is over. Your season of crushing has come to a completion. And you're about to enter into a season where the oil of the anointing of God is going to flow in your life and in your family and in your ministry and in your business like never before. Let me give you some descriptors of the anointing. First of all, the anointing speaks of authority for your position. It validates the call of God on your life. Notice what David said in verse 10. He said, but your horn, or he said, but my horn, God, you have exalted 
like a wild ox. He's speaking here about promotion, that God is about to promote him to become king over all of Israel. This is the third time that David has been anointed with oil, anointed by the Holy Spirit to be king. You remember when he was out in a pasture tending the sheep of his father and Samuel showed up with a horn of oil and Jesse lined his sons up and none of those sons were the ones that God had anointed to be king. And he looked at Jesse and said, is this all your sons? And he said, no, I got one more. Just a little teenage boy out there in the pasture taking care of the sheep. He said, bring him in. And David was the one and Samuel took a horn of oil and he poured it over David and he was anointed to be king. But he didn't become king at that moment. He was sent right back out to the pasture. But then later he would be anointed a second time when he would become king over the southern portion of Israel, of Judah. But then when the kingdoms would once again reunite, David would be anointed to be king over all of Israel. And that's what he's talking about here. He said, I'm about to step into a new season of my life. I'm about to step into a new assignment for my life. And he has anointed me. He has validated that call. He has validated that anointing in my life. It's authority for your position. But not only is it authority for your position, it also affirms the presence of God. Because most of the time in Scripture, when somebody would be anointed... The person that was anointing them wouldn't just take a little dab. It wasn't a little dab will do you of oil. But they would take oil and they would saturate. They would immerse their hands in that oil. And their hands would be covered with the oil. And then they would take those oil-coated hands and they would lay it on the person that they were anointing. And they would smear or they would rub that oil in either to the person or to the item that they were anointing. Do you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture that the anointing of God is when the hand of God is on your life. It, 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 it assures, it affirms the presence of God. And listen, you and I could never do what it is that God has assigned us to do. We can never do what he's appointed us to do if his hand is not upon our lives. Which brings me to a third description of the anointing. And that is that the anointing is the assistance of God's power and God's provision. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The anointing of God is the enabling of God for us to do what God has appointed and God has assigned us to do. But not only is it the assistance of God's power, it's the assistance of God's provision. Because listen to what David said. He said that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. God has put a certain kind of elasticity in a palm tree. That the palm tree has the ability to bend but not break. And I think that may be what David is referring to here when he said that you and I, that we would flourish because of the anointing of God on our lives, that we would flourish like a palm tree. We're going to encounter some storms. We're going to encounter some hurricane force winds. And, and, and listen, we may bend, but we ain't going to break. 
Because one thing I noticed is when that storm and those winds stopped blowing, that palm tree went right back to its upright position. Amen. And you're going to flourish. We flourish like a palm tree. And then he said, you shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. There's a reason why kings would send his workers hundreds and even thousands of miles to get the cedars of Lebanon. It was because they were the greatest and the strongest of all trees. And God says that when the anointing is upon your life, you're going to be strong. Amen. You're going to grow strong. You're going to be able to endure. But then not only that, he goes on and he says this in verse 13. And oh, I wish I had more time to talk about some of these things. But he said, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. I'm telling you this morning, Summit and Church of God, our environment is so important. When, we, when our environment is one of the presence of God, notice what he said. It is when we are planted, not when we just visit the house of the Lord, not when we just visit the presence of the Lord, but it says that when we are planted, when we are rooted in the presence of the Lord, what's going to happen? We shall flourish. That's why I believe in 2018, we've got to pray for more of God's presence. Amen. I said this when I first came here. I cannot change one person's heart. I cannot change one person's mind. Oh, but if I can lead them into the presence of the Lord, it is in his presence that change and transformation takes place in people's lives and that we flourish in the courts of our God. And then notice what he said. He said, they shall still be bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. And notice why he says this. He said the reason why you're still going to bear fruit in old age and the reason why you're going to be fresh and flourishing is because it is a testimony to the righteous character of God that God will do what God says he's going to do. Amen. So that when I see somebody in their 80s, 90s, 100s, whatever it is, and they're still bearing fruit and they're still fresh and they're still flourishing, I give praise and I give glory and I give honor to God because God is true to do what he said he's going to do in folks' lives. Amen. And he said this, he said, they declare that the Lord is upright. He is the rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is what David was trying to say about the power and the provision that comes with the anointing. When he said, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not in the presence of my brothers. Not in the presence of my sisters. Oh, somebody needs to know that right smack dab in front of your enemies, God's going to prepare a table for you full of his blessings full of his provision and notice what he said he said you anoint my head with oil and what does that lead to my cup runs over and now surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can somebody take a praise break right here and thank God for his power and provision in your life? Come on, are you really thankful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think about the flow of this anointing in Psalm 133. Beginning at verse 1, the psalmist said, Behold, 
how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And you do know he's not just talking about men here. He's talking about all of us. When God's people dwell together in unity. Is that your heart this morning here at Summerton Church of God? Is that our heart that we dwell together in unity? Let me tell you, if that's going to happen, we have always got to have a fresh anointing. Because what is it that eliminates the friction? It's the oil. And that's why he said this. He said it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. When a prophet, a priest, or a king was being anointed, they would get down on the floor on their knees with their head down. Some of you would never be able to handle this because then the person doing the anointing would come with a big vat of oil. Not one of these little bottles like we got up here. And while they're in that bowed position, they would take that vat, they would take that picture of oil and they would begin and they would pour it over their head and it would begin to flow so that when they got back up on their feet, what started at the head would flow all the way down the beard and the garments. And notice where it ended up, down to the edge of his garments. He's talking about the hem. Now help me here, but isn't the hem the lowest point of the garment? You see, it's not just at the highest point of my life that the anointing is strongest. It's at the lowest point of my life. That's where the anointing is the strongest because as the oil would flow down, it would gather in the hem of the garment. Listen to what he said. He said, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. This dew, the snow that would melt and begin to flow down the mountain of Hermon. And it would flow down the mountain into the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee would then push water into the Jordan River. And the Jordan River would then flow all the way down to the lowest point of the earth, to the Dead Sea. And may I tell you that there is a substance in the Dead Sea. If you've not been there, when you go, try it. You cannot drown. You cannot go under. And I believe that that's what he's saying about the anointing here. That as the anointing begins to flow from the head down, it's not at the highest point that I experience the most anointing. It's at my lowest point. And somebody needs to know the enemy may try to push you down, but you're going to just pop right back up. Amen. He's not going to be able to hold you down. He's not going to be able to keep you down. Even at the lowest point of your life, that's when the anointing of God is most powerful in your life. Oh, somebody here that's been through a difficult time in your life and you didn't get stuck in that moment of your past and you didn't remain in that moment of your past. 
And you don't blame God for that moment of your past, but God brought you through that difficult situation in your life. You didn't think you would ever be able to get through it. You didn't think there was any way that you were ever going to be able to get through it. You didn't think there was any power available to get you out of that season and into another season. But here you are today. The devil tried to take you out. The treble tried to take you Oh, somebody ought to thank God for the anointing in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm still here. Somebody say, I'm still standing. Let me just give you one more passage of scripture as our team comes to get ready to prepare us to go into this time of anointing. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Now, before we look at that passage, let me just set it up for you. Isaiah 10, 27. God has used the king of Assyria as well as the Assyrians as a tool to discipline his rebellious children. He has allowed Assyria to come into Judah and take his people into captivity. Captivity and slavery was referred to as a yoke, that a yoke was upon them. But in this passage of scripture, God speaks and he says, the king of Assyria can think this was his idea if he wants to, but the king of Assyria is gonna find out real quick that he was my tool. He said, because I'm gonna take care of the king of Assyria and the Assyrians. And listen to what he said, verse 27. And it came to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away, talking about the king of Assyria and the Assyrians off the people of God. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now we've quoted that scripture, we Christians, we've quoted that passage of scripture. One of the most quoted passages of scripture in the Bible, the anointing breaks the yoke. And it does. That's absolutely true. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, that was what his ministry was about. He went about breaking yokes off of people's lives, delivering them and setting them free. But this word is translated wrong in the King James Version. Any Bible scholar will tell you that. The word is not anointing. Matter of fact, there were two Hebrew words that were very similar. Shaman, S-H-A-M-E-N, and Shemin, S-H-E-M-E-N. And the word, the Hebrew word here is S-H-A-M-E-N. And it doesn't mean anointing. It means something so much better. It means fat. Did you know in 2018, God wants to get you fat? Listen, let me read it to you the correct way. In that day, their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. In other words, that ox would get so fat that the yoke could not contain the ox anymore and it would break off. I'm telling you, when the anointing comes, 
the favor and the power and the provision of God. That's why we're having 21 days of prayer, listen to me, and feasting. It's not just about what we push away from. It's about what we give ourselves to and who we give ourselves to. And this is going to be a time of feasting, a time of prayer, a time of eating the Word of God, a time of worship, a time of praise. It's going to be a time of feasting. And listen to me, some of you are going to grow so fat spiritually that that bondage that's been on your life, those things that have been holding you in captivity, those yokes that have been placed upon you by the enemy. You're gonna prosper. God is gonna bless you so much. My Lord, I feel this. I feel this is something that he's about to do at Summerton Church of God, that there is a yoke, listen to me, listen to me, that there is a yoke of religion that's about to be broken off of this church because this church is about to get fat, fat on the presence of God.